the patient chart should be more like a Google document. Hi everyone, welcome back to Doctors Who Create and Happy New Year. This is our second episode in our special series called Reimagine Healthcare, and this time we're talking about medical documentation. My name is Darlena. And my name is Makla Neela Kuntin, and so let's get into it. Darlena, I want to ask you, um, kind of what does the medical record mean to you? What does note-taking mean to you? To me, that the electronic medical record, or EMR, is a system designed where notes can be shared between users about patient care, coordinating clinical care, and it seems like it's the system that has since replaced the previous system of using paper charts where you had to write all all the stories about what's going on with your patient and literally put them in like file cabinets. But now we have all these different systems where it theoretically should be making life easier. In terms of the purpose of writing a note, it's to convey to other members of the clinical care team what's going on and keep them updated. Um, But of course, there are also other elements like, for example, a lot of notes are used for billing, although I feel like in medical school, we don't get exposed to that side of it as much. For us, it's mainly about the clinical communication, I'd say. What about you? Yeah, I I think you put it perfectly. I think the clinical communication phrase is a really great way to kind of encompass what note-taking should be about. Um, It's interesting, too, because kind of in a past life, I guess, I was really um, involved in journalism. And so it's it's nice now in the the clinical world when I'm taking notes and utilizing the EMR that it's kind of similar to investigative journalism sometimes, you know, Um, figuring out, you know, what's useful to keep in the note, um, how to present the information, Um, in a way that really conveys what's going on and really gives you that story and all of the pertinent information in the story. That's been an interesting comparison that I've been able to have. And then I was um, a scribe for uh, for a couple of months prior to medical school. And so that was also a bit of an interesting glimpse into usage of the EMR. As a scribe, you have a little bit of a different uh, job, you know, making sure you're getting down everything that the physician wants uh, wants you to say. Whoa, I had no idea about those experiences. This is so cool. Please tell us more about journalism and about scribing. It's just it's just been interesting um, because you know when I started medical school I thought okay you know I I you know had my fun with journalism um, but really it never stopped you know you're you're investigating in the chart you're investigating when you're talking to the patient and then you're putting it all together. How do you approach note writing? What parts of the journalism do you bring with you? Is there a general way that you approach note writing? That's a really good question, and there's a couple of different ways I feel like to categorize different types of notes. You know it's it's you know admission notes, progress notes, consults, things like that. When you're put into different situations of, okay, I'm going in right now to do an HNP versus, okay, I'm going in to do kind of a progress note, that I feel like we automatically kind of tune into the particular things that we know we need to include um, and that we know we need to highlight. Um, so kind of doing an admission or an HNP note, you know, we want to make sure we're really getting that whole story and asking all of the questions and, um, you know, everything should be in that note, you know what I mean? Um, So that anyone who reads it really knows, you know, why this person is coming in, um, kind of what happened before and and what's going on right now. Um, And then with the progress note, um, again, we're kind of tuned in a little bit more into, you know, what happened overnight and making sure that um, kind of more immediate things are highlighted, I feel like is how I approach it. I think I almost use note writing as a template for the things that I ask during a patient encounter, like working backwards from the note, remembering to ask about like family medical history or allergies, and I'm thinking through what I have to write in the note as I'm approaching the conversation. One of the things that I I use when I approach note writing is writing uh, the physical exam findings first, actually, because I feel like that's the more quote unquote objective data. So I like to go and and list that out and then kind of build the rest of my history from the physical findings. Because in a way, if we're trying to compare it to like, you know, like the five paragraph essay that we learned how to write (laughs) in, you know, elementary school or high school, it's like you have your thesis and then you're supporting evidence for your thesis. So I kind of feel like our assessment is usually the thesis and then everything else that we put in our note in the history and physical is supporting evidence to that thesis. 
It's nice to think of it as an essay. You know, you're really, you are really, you know, persuading the people who are reading it to, to kind of um, see it the way that you are seeing it. Over time, note writing and the burdens of documentation have become increasingly contributing to physician stress, the amount of time that is being taken away from spending time with patients. I was at a conference recently and they were talking about ambient voice technology, which uses artificial intelligence to take all of the audio of the conversation from the visit and turns it into an actual note for you. That would be incredible. <laughs> I'm already thinking, you know, I can't wait to have a scribe. People people are going to come up with, with amazing things. I feel like we're, we're only going to keep creatively reimagining all different parts of healthcare. Do you know any attendings that use dictation for their notes? Yeah, a, a good amount of um, emergency medicine physicians that I've worked with have used, you know, some sort of combination of dragon dictation or a, you know, real life scribe. I actually, interestingly, in addition to being an in-person scribe, got a little bit of a experience working as a Google Glass scribe. In the in the Bay Area, I, I worked in a HIPAA, HIPAA secure room utilizing Google Glass technology to scribe for physicians in the Midwest in real time. So the physician wore the Google glasses um, and everything that the physician could see would be transmitted to me. Um, so I actually never knew what my physician looked like until he stepped in front of a mirror. <laughs> So, um, you know, in, in my little room, they'd be able to ask uh, questions to me over an earpiece and I could respond to them almost in like a, a tweet fashion and they'd see my responses in a prism in front of their eyes. Sometimes they'd ask about uh, vital signs before they went into the room. Um, sometimes they'd ask me to kind of double check something in the chart. Um, and um, they would, uh, as they were doing the physical exam, would, would just, you know, say out the findings that they were seeing and I'd be able to put it into the note and I'd be able to kind of visualize and see the whole visit of course with patient consent um, and by the time they left the room um, the note would be done by me and I'm, I'm curious to see you know where where that Google Google Glass sort of technology um, plays in in the future too. Speaking of the future there are going to be some changes to the legislation in the very near future regarding notes. The 21st Century Cures Act has many different stipulations but among them they were talking about ways that we're going to increase interoperability between different electronic medical records so that there's less information blocking and hopefully that information, patient information will be more accessible across systems because I feel like there have been so many times as a medical student I've been in charge of getting faxes from another hospital system and oh, it yeah. takes so many days <laughs> and it delays patient care but if there's a way that we're able to really efficiently and safely and securely send that information it could improve overall care another aspect of it that might be a little bit more controversial is open notes where now i think starting in april of 2021 all patients will have access easy access to the clinical notes that we write and i think it is going to change maybe how some providers write. Yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah, we have to be cognizant of who's reading it. But at the same time, I'm curious to see how that may or may not affect, you know, the information that we end up putting into the note because we know, you know, patients may be reading it and things like that. I've been reading a little bit more about how this might change the landscape of EHR in the future. And it seems like maybe what will happen is that you'll have one end that is the kind of clinician end where you type in your notes as is but then there's a transformation of that note to output something to the patient that translates the jargon into layman's terms so i don't think there's any tools like that yet but i could totally imagine a future where you know like you're typing your note in epic and then the patient portal comes out with a another version of of the note automatically that would be cool. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, what, what they come up with <laughs> and how this whole system keeps improving. But on that note, what are your ideas on how we can improve the process of writing notes? Again, I feel like it kind of goes back to what we chatted about a little bit in our first episode on rounding in that we always need to be making sure that we're um, kind of deliberate about why we're doing things in medicine, making sure that we know why we're including certain information in a note, um, and we know, you know, who this note is supposed to go to, and, and we're making sure that the way we're presenting the information is, is useful is really key to, to keep um, improving and kind of not just 
writing a note for the sake of writing a note. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I think something that I encountered going through electronic medical records is just seeing a lot of iterations of the same information in every single note. Um, Lots of copy and pasted information for things that usually don't actually change that much. A lot of times it's like reinventing the wheel over and over again, where we're asking the patient the same question multiple times, even on the same visit, to the point that by the time as the med student I'm going in and asking about their family medical history, they're like, I just told the person downstairs, like, why do I have to tell you again? There's value in asking the same question multiple times for sure to double check and as like you know part of the whole swiss cheese model of making sure that there are fewer errors Uh, but at the same time i think there's a way that the electronic medical record system could help facilitate that so that we're not constantly necessarily asking the same information it'd be easier uh, so that we could just verify that information and i had an idea i thought that (laughs) the patient chart should be more like a google document where um, you have those different sections and then people can go in and edit that section. And you could even have trainees like medical students suggest an edit so it doesn't actually change the whole chart, but then the resident or attending could accept it just like on the suggestions on a Google Doc. Oh, I really like that because there are, there have definitely been times where I feel, you know, oh man, I, I really could just add in this little thing and, and they would update this or, or, you know, or like, you know, I don't have access to this, but I wish I did um, to kind of bring things up to date or, oh man, I wish I didn't have to ask this patient the same questions <laughs> um, over and over again that other people have asked. So that's a really, that's a kind of a genius idea you had. Because <laughs> right now it's like you're digging through all of the records over time. But then I think what's useful is to see the current record, but also to see like a a log of past changes. So I think that's something that you can also do like tracking changes or like looking at the history of what that note looked like a year ago. But the current system is like you have to literally click through each one and read the same information a bazillion times to see if there are changes or not. That's where most of the time goes, I feel like, when doing that patient chart review is even finding the right information that you're looking for. Um, and if that could be really streamlined, uh, like you said, I think that would be so, so helpful. Another idea is that you could have filters, right? Based on what specialty you're in, perhaps there's a certain filter where it, it highlights the current medication list, for example, but maybe the family medical history isn't as important in that particular case and that might be like grayed out. We could really reimagine a lot of different things. I mean, now I'm thinking it'd be so cool to have kind of like a a way to show almost a, like a historical graph of, of changes in certain parts of the physical exam where you could really just see, you know, you know, day to day kind of how certain parts of their exam changed, um, things like that, you know, kind of, kind of similar to what we, what we have with labs, I feel like in an EMR already. So if someone's listening to this and you're thinking about designing an EMR, take note, pun intended. And we spoke with some physicians to get their takes on this topic. Uh, Who did you speak to, Mikla? So I spoke with a physician from my home institution, uh, Dr. Prashant Patel. He's an internal medicine physician and was very, very excited (laughs) to to be on this podcast and chat about his view on usage of the EMR. Um, He's a really creative, um, creative guy. So I'm really excited to to hear what he had to say. What about you, Darlena? I spoke with Dr. Danielle Ofri, uh, she is an internal medicine physician at Bellevue Hospital. I've actually worked with her before, and she runs the Bellevue Literary Review. She is a really prolific writer, and I thought it'd be really cool to get her take, especially having that writing perspective on how she approaches writing notes. She actually recently wrote an article in Stat News called The EMR Has Changed the Doctor-Patient Duet into a Menage a Trois. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, definitely a, a third person kind of in the room. Mm-hmm, totally. And I also spoke with Dr. Ken Braslow, and he's a psychiatrist who designed Luminello, which is an electronic health record specifically for mental health care. So um, given his clinical background, he was able to really create a system that was best suited to, to his needs and, and share that with other psychiatrists. So um, definitely interesting takes on, on the topic. Yeah, that sounds incredible, and I, I can't wait to, to hear what they both had to say. Yeah, without further ado, uh, let's cue the interview. 
my name is Danielle Ofri. I'm a, a primary care doctor at Bellevue Hospital, and I'm a clinical professor of medicine at NYU School of Medicine. I'm also the editor-in-chief of the Bellevue Literary Review, and I'm a writer on the side. When you approach clinical note writing, is that a different hat, or do you is it more of an extension of the writing that you do with the public? It's completely different. In fact, I never even think of them as overlapping at all. I mean, to me, when I'm writing a note, I'm thinking about the next person coming to the chart. And so the goal of a good note is that when someone opens the chart, that when they read your note, they know everything they need to know about the patient and um, such that the patient can get the care they need. So I look at the note as the way of almost transferring care to the next person to know what's going on with the patient, but most importantly, what my thought process is, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So that's how I approach the notes, strictly clinically. That makes a lot of sense. Although it seems like a lot of times the structure in place doesn't necessarily allow for that sort of communication most efficiently. I think a lot of times, in my experiences, digging up through all these notes, a lot of it seems like fluff just to get to the, the critical pieces of information. Right, right. Big, big sigh when you say that. So that's one of the differences between the electronic note and the paper chart. You know, in, in the paper chart, you could leaf through the chart. The first thing you would do is leaf through the pages till you come across, you know, the most recent thorough notes. You can skip quickly past the Lasix refills or, you know, the Pneumovax kind of thing and get to the one, you know, detailed clinic visit or the most recent discharge. In electronic medical record, it's very hard to do because every note looks the same from the outside. And not till you dig in and open 16 windows, you figure, ah, is this the note that I want that has all the information? Or is this just a copy and paste of the last stuff? And what I really can't stand is those bloated, and, and I don't want to pick on rheumatologists, but I will, because they tend to, you know, have an extensive record of every imaging study, every serology done since like the Eisenhower administration. Uh, and I recognize they do it for completeness, but you know, it's just not, it's not usable as a note. So I, have, I skip it all to the last three lines, which tells me what they're thinking and what they're doing. And so I try hard on my electronic note to make it almost like I would think. So I've really tried to limit it just like, here are the active problems. You know, I give a couple lines of what's happened since your last visit, what's going on now. I only put in the labs I want. I don't do, you know, most recent labs and bring in everything and, and you know, the RGW kind of thing. I really just keep it, you know, to what I think is important, which of course runs the risk of missing something. So I have to go back and check labs separately. And then my assessment and plan. And I try hard to give an assessment, not just a plan. I mean, often when we're listening, we're crushed for time all the time, we just kind of skip to the plan, cut to the chase. But I do try to give an assessment of why I do it. The A1C is 9.7. Um, so at least the next person has some idea. And and I also try to use the part where you can, like an overview, there's a part in Epic or, or in the past medical where I can keep track of important things I want people to know. Like I have one patient who only wants insulin with syringes, not with the flex pen. Um, because it's cheaper that way. And so I put that there so the next person doesn't have to you know, accidentally prescribe the Levimir pen. The patient goes there, mm -hmm. can't get it, and then misses it. So things like that. Or this patient had stomach upset with metformin, so the next person doesn't try to prescribe metformin again. So those things I really put a high premium on, the sort of keeping track of the active issues that you need to know if you're the next clinician taking care of this patient. Right. And I think with all this new technology, there have been new tools that are are incorporated in attempt to help those things. Like I know on Epic, there the search capability uh, seems to be quite robust, and also you have the option of looking at what part of a note is copy and pasted. So I think there are tools built in, but it seems like in some cases less is more is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I really just I mean, I love the five line note that says exactly what you need to know. You know, and when I work with students and house staff, when they present a case, I'm always trying to help them find the sweet spot of just thorough enough to get what you need to know, but just succinct enough to avoid the fluff. And of course, that takes experience to know what is fluff and what's not. And, and um, you know, the a student may say, oh, this, you know, this patient and they'll give the entire medical history comes in with chest pain. Now, that might be too much, but it is relevant to know in that first sense that they have diabetes or coronary disease. Like that makes a difference in how I interpret the chest pain. It's not relevant that they, you know, had a bout of, you know, I don't know, an ingrown toenail 16 years ago. So getting to know what's relevant, um, again, takes 
time and, and then it's a skill that we have to teach and help our students and learners figure out but it, it's so important because you want that really just a good dense meaty got it all there no extra fluff kind of note you can't you know it's worth more than gold do you have a different approach between what depending on what type of note you're writing like an admission versus progress and discharge note like in a progress note for an inpatient i'm thinking of who's the person coming at night who doesn't know the patient right or who's the consultant who's going to look at just that note that day so then i want to really sort of gear it toward the you know what's what just happened in context of the bigger picture in uh, clinic notes, you know, I'm thinking, okay, someone's going to see this note maybe in two months or three months, or the patient's going to show up to their cardiology appointment and they may look back at that note. So I want a little more of a global picture uh, of what's going on. And when I was a student, I remember I had an amazing resident when I was on the medical service who wrote the most perfect admitting notes. And to this day, I tried to do the Lisa Schwartz kind of note where she took, it was like a work of art. She took time they they were long but not too long and they really had everything and every problem that she would enumerate you could see her clinical reasoning and i really admired that so then i would know not just what but also why and when i think about you know how to avoid medical error and there are lots of kinds of medical error there's procedural error you know we use checklists for that but there's also a diagnostic error which is perhaps the toughest nut to crack because it's very hard to checklist how you think but one of the ways we can do that is that we document how we're thinking in the note. And studies that have looked at, you know, outpatient notes, you know, 80% don't even have a differential. Um, and very few document their clinical reasoning. So that kind of thing then helps us, you know, I think avoid errors. And then if there's a problem down the line, we can look back and we can make a trail, a, a kind of intellectual trail of how we got to where we are now, which is invaluable for figuring out what happened and how to, you know, avoid that for the future. I think we touched upon a lot of the ways that note writing notes can be improved by thinking about who the audience is specifically for each piece of writing. Right. Although it's actually changing now, you know, with the CARES Act that requires all your notes to be visible to the patient that you know, we've had the option, but now it's required. The, the actual implementation date was pushed from October to April, but in any case, the notes by default have to be visible to the patient. So that's made me think a little bit about, oh, what am I writing? You know, am I still writing SOB for shortness of breath? Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are things like that. There's, do I want to write GLP-1 agonist or have to write that out? Um, I noticed that the new version of Epic, every time I write HCTZ, it, it puts it out to hydrochlorothiazide. Um, and I usually abbreviate it like like lisinopril HCT is the lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide, but they take HCT to mean hematocrit. So he keeps coming out lisinopril hematocrit. So I have to fix how I write or follow up, you know, F slash U, they change the U to units. So I, you know, I can't use some of my shorthand anymore. Um, so I want to think about that, but uh, you know, the jargon is one thing, but I'm more thinking about when you have something that a patient might view with discomfort, commenting on mental illness, um, ulterior motives for things. If let's say you disagree with a patient's recounting of, of episodes, if you think they're not being truthful, um, those are hard things to write down. Uh, certainly assessment of mental state, if someone's disheveled appearing or malodorous, would you write that in a chart if a patient's going to read that? And I, and I think maybe not. I, you know, I also don't want a patient's feelings to be hurt. So now that the patient's also my audience for these notes, I have to think how it will come across to them. And not that I want to change any facts, but just bear that in mind. I had a patient yesterday who uh, I noticed that he, all his blood counts were a little bit down, not quite pancytopenic, but enough to give me a little pause. And um, so I want to have him see a hematologist. And so I'm writing the note. And in fact, he emailed me. So I'm writing back. And how do I write this without alarming him? You know, um, it's a tricky thing to do. Normally I say, oh, patient's pancytopenic, you know, let's get a hematology consult and that might be frightening. So I wrote, I think you have a, you have a mild anemia, which could be nothing if since you have no symptoms, but nevertheless, I'll, you know, I'm going to have one of my hematology, con you know, colleagues give you a call. But I was really thinking about how I write it that doesn't feel overly alarming, you know, until, until you need to be alarmed. But, you know, for the moment, I have nothing to alarm him about, but it could be frightening to read that. So something else that I have to keep in mind. The kind of the strunk and white approach to writing in general, you know, clarity is of utmost importance that you want the reader to understand what you write. And that's the most important thing. Um, more important than like strict 
adherence to grammar. So if you have to split an infinitive, it's okay if it's going to make it clearer to the writer. And that less is more. That you, you know, say goodbye to those $10 words and, and just try to say it as simply and straightforwardly as possible. Thinking about how we can improve electronic medical records in general, are there any uh, thoughts that you had on that? I know there's a lot of new technology in this space with AI, ambient voice, scribing, dictation. Do any of those stand out to you as, as more promising than others? You know, if you have 10 hours, we could go through them all. I, um, you know, all have pluses and minuses. Um, and like the scribe makes me comfortable because I don't want a direct dictation of how I speak. That That's terrible. I mean, every time I've ever like uh, given an interview and it gets quoted, um, it's so abhorrent to see your own natural speaking quoted directly because it's terrible. You know, you drop your clauses, you um and you ah. And so now whenever I say you, please edit, make it look readable because on the page is different than how we speak. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't want to scribe to, to <laughs> transcribe every single thing I say. I you know have a lot of tangents and mutterings and back and forths. So I, I don't think I want that. What I would just like is more time to write my note because I think the note is so essential I want to be proud of what I put down on the page. So I wish that for every 20 minutes with a patient, I'd have the equal 20 minutes to consolidate my thoughts and write a coherent note. And that's all I need. I don't need AI. I don't need, you know, a scribe. I just need a little extra time to do it and I'll do a good job. What usually happens, I'm writing the note while I'm talking to the patient. So it's scrambled and I, you know, drop things. And so, yes, I, I think time would, in fact, be the most important technology we could apply to better note writing. And I think for trainees to sort of see good notes and read it. And I, and I think it's a bit like pornography. You know, you know it when you see it. A good note, you read it like, oh, I got it, right? I have it all. It's in my hand. I know what to do. Versus you have like a mess, a jumble, like what's going on? When was the pancreatitis? When was the GI bleed? Having, you know, a resident or an attending or a fellow that you know who writes good notes, read their notes. Um, and for me, it was my first resident who it just was formative to me. And, and the strict emphasis and how critical that the good note was as important as the good care, because the note almost is the care. And if the note isn't clear, then there can actually be disasters down the line when things are misinterpreted or missed or things are dropped. So I look at it as uh, an actual part of medical care. And that's even separate from you know malpractice. You know, I was, um, over the course of my training, I've you know, had a few cases that have gone at least to deposition. And I once sat with a lawyer, two lawyers, going through a, a handwritten medical chart and boy, that is really educational, the way lawyers look at charts. They're digging through every word, and did you say that? Did you say this? And and um, it was a little frightening how much they dissected every single word. But again, it makes me realize that everything you write, it is a legal document too. So, you know, don't put things that are not substantiated or certainly word it as, you know, a possibility could be or in my thinking is thus. And, uh, you know, be careful how you distinguish suppositions from what you think are our facts. I did really love your point about time because that theoretically sounds like such a simple fix. Creating the time is is costing money. I mean, every patient we see brings in revenue and every time we have a space of time that is not having a patient, that's less money for the institution. So it's a decision to make. But on the other hand, buying an artificial intelligence system, that's really expensive, right? It might actually be cheaper to give every doctor or every nurse extra time, you know, to write. You're right. I think in the long run, it would lead to a lot of savings, maybe tests that don't need to be repeated if they're more clearly uh, documented and communicated. So many imaging studies are done from either laziness or not enough time to ask the questions. I mean, I mean, just take L-spine, you know, CT scans, MRIs. I'm sure that 80% of those would not need to be done if we had a, if you took a few extra minutes to really ask the questions um, and talk to the patient, convince them that it probably wouldn't change their management, and that alone that would pay for it. Um, you know, and we could go on and on about how unnecessary tests, unnecessary antibiotics. If we had the time, it takes much longer to talk about why you don't need antibiotic for bronchitis than does a prescribed antibiotic. So right. I think time would actually save a lot of money. The problem is the money's not fungible between those different pool so the savings you know one place won't you know come back to the you know the source Mm -hmm. so there's less incentive for systemic change right sure thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts on this topic this will be really helpful for our listeners and thinking about 
the process of learning how to write notes. And I also encourage your listeners to also read outside of medical notes. So I might just uh, happily suggest the Bellevue Literary Review, which is our literary magazine. We publish fiction, poetry, nonfiction about health and healing and give your brain a chance to read other kinds of writing. And that will help you synthesize your medical notes better. I promise you. Yes, I can attest to that. I am a big fan of the Bellevue Literary Review. Thank you so much for for participating. You're very welcome. Thank you, Darlena. I was lucky enough to speak with Dr. Prashant Patel um, of my home institution, the Western Michigan University, Homer Stryker, MD School of Medicine. So welcome, Dr. Patel. Thank you again for chatting with me. Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm very excited. My first question to you is, what's the greatest purpose of using the EMR? It is a big part of my life. I can tell you, when it comes to the utility for me on a day-to-day basis in the outpatient world, it's a way for me to communicate with myself and communicate with other providers taking care of the same patient. Really what I've seen at that particular window of time with a patient, it gives me a chance to make sure that I'm looking at uh, what the patient uh, brings in in terms of their chief complaint. It gives me a chance to review previous results, previous imaging, uh, consultant notes, and then kind of start piecing it together as I do a directed physical exam, and then hopefully put it together in a really efficient way when it comes to my assessment and ultimately the things I start moving forward for my patient. In terms of reality, it's really not that effective for me to to do everything that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, The EMR that we use in in our system is uh, EPIC, which is one that's used around the country in many different institutions. And uh, Epic is, is clunky. I, I have seen the transition between a previous EMR to the one that I'm using now. And it, uh, it really requires a lot of clicks for me to get all of the information that mm-hmm. I want uh, so that I can effectively communicate not only with myself, but with other providers. Um, well, that translates to, unfortunately, when I, I see a patient, is uh, oftentimes I'll be looking through things and multitasking on the electronic medical record while I'm talking to the patient. And so it's shifted my focus, my eyes, my, my own uh, cognizance of the person in front of me and uh, everything that comes with what they bring into the office to a computer screen. Yeah. And so uh, unfortunately, it, it doesn't always translate well in outpatient medicine. Um, on the inpatient side, it's, uh, it's a way for me to communicate very directly in an acute setting with providers that are taking care of the same patient. So consultants, yeah. uh, people who are uh, working on, on placement for patients, care managers, social workers, the entire team. Um, so in some ways, inpatient notes and inpatient electronic medical record utility to me is stronger than it is on the outpatient side. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's, that's the purpose is to be able to their data um, and use that to effectively communicate with yourself in the future and with other providers that are taking care of the same patient. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that you have both um, an idea of kind of EMR utilization in the outpatient world and the inpatient world. I think that's a really um, useful insight that you have. And it seems that there are different advantages and disadvantages kind of within those two different worlds. So that was interesting to hear about. In general, what's your approach to note writing? Mm, yeah. So going back to my, my two lives, I kind of feel like <laughs> I've got a split personality in some ways because on the outpatient side is very different than on the inpatient side. Mm-hmm. So when I see my patients on the outpatient side, I, I like to be present with them because I know it took a lot for them to, to come to the office, yeah. to um, sometimes sit in the room, wait for me to come into the room and and uh, be able to share not only their concerns, but updates in their life. So um, when I walk into the room, I I try not to look at the wall where the EMR is. Um, I try to sit there with my patient. I'll usually take a laptop in and I'll type while I'm talking and looking at their face. Um, What I I tend to do with with the EMR in the outpatient setting is really just get their, their story for the day Um, and really just examine them and relay to them what I plan to do 
in person. When I am done with my physical exam is only useful to put in orders. And then later on, I'll, I'll finish mm-hmm. my note. So that's the, the primary utility. A lot of times patients will want to go over results too from previous visits mm-hmm. and imaging that, that they may not have had uh, explained effectively to them. So um, one of the stronger points for me with the EMR in the outpatient setting is I can open up x-rays, I can open up CAT scans, and I always preface any conversation with the patient with, hey, listen, I'm not a radiologist, but I, I think what they were getting at when they talked to you um, was, you know, this abnormality here. Um, so sometimes it's effective just to have the patient have a better understanding of, of what uh, particular abnormalities they might have. Um, in terms of the inpatient uh, note writing, uh, for me, a lot of that is direct supervision. So I, I supervise resident teams. And so um, what I'm able to do is get notes that are written by students, notes that are written by residents that work with the team and effectively give them feedback. I myself am not that far out from residency. I'm a junior faculty here, just three years out of residency. So a lot of the advice I give to my students and my residents is advice that I got as a resident myself and things I knew worked as as better note writing techniques. So um, when it comes to note writing, I'm oftentimes giving students and residents the advice uh, to really, number one, try to not focus uh, too much on auto-populated data Mm -hmm. and rather try to come up with a story um, that effectively integrates the stuff that you learn from being present with your patient. Um, So I I always try to emphasize that. The other thing I always try to emphasize is that note bloat is a real thing. And uh, what that means is really the notes that I see on, uh, in terms of progress notes, they tend to get longer and longer. Instead of being a single page for that particular day, it's a running chapter and it gets longer and longer each day and it does not get updated. And so this idea of being able to effectively communicate not only with yourself, but with other team members, it it disappears. It it devolves in a way that unfortunately means that EMR is less practical for most people. So I try to emphasize those things, whether or not those things actually get through, Ask me week to week. It's a different story each week. Um, but I do think that the residents and the students get the picture. I do think they they know that there's ways to optimize the EMR for their own benefit. You mentioned a lot of things that I try to <laughs> think about as, as a student, but definitely things that I need to continue to optimize. I can tell you it's on the inpatient side. I, I try to keep my attestations very direct. You know, I, I think one of the things that uh, learners are able to glean is, you know, the way that someone that's ahead of them is writing or um, is thinking about things. That's one way to incorporate the same items into their own note writing. So um, when I attest notes, I, I try to keep things as focused and succinct as possible while still delivering data effectively. I think feedback is so key um, in everything in medicine, and especially in note writing. Um, and so it's really cool that, again, you're able to come at this topic with the insight of, um, of a teacher. Um, and as we chat and kind of kind of go into chatting about how we where we go from here and how do we improve the EMR from here, you said you know sometimes EMRs are pretty clunky and it's hard to tell you know who put this here or you know when was this edited? Yeah, yeah just you know wondering <laughs> what your thoughts were in terms of how you think the EMR could be improved on, whether it's you know one EMR specifically or how EMRs talk to each other, kind of anything in that realm. Hmm, that's a really good question. Well, let me let me back up and let me ask you, uh, Mekla, if if you were to think back on um, inpatient mm-hmm. medicine, and that could be uh, really any that you've been on, um, let me let me flip it to you and ask, how much time would you say you spend in front of the EMR on, let's say, an eight-hour shift or a ten-hour shift for for a classic day as a clerk? I mean, I would I would have to say outside of rounding with the team um, and outside of my own pre-rounding, which would be for a couple of patients. So that would take, you know, maybe, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, I'm just staring at the EMR <laughs> for the rest of the time. <laughs> so pretty much a majority of, of my day. So to me, that's the saddest part mm-hmm. of the EMR. I, I think that we are all people who have gotten into medicine because we care about the human mm-hmm. in front of us. And the EMR 
is, again, at its core, a tool to communicate between providers and communicate to yourself for, for future little tidbits on how you're going to manage a patient. And, and really, that's the core part of it. The really important thing, I think, that I always try to emphasize with students that doesn't always trickle down when it comes to EMR use is, at the end of the day, you're taking care of a patient. The person in front of you is the one that you're trying to really get a good sense of. It's the person that you really should be gathering most of your story from and really delivering the story to. I think one of my, my gold wishes for the next couple decades is to, to see if there's a way to really deliver crucial patient clinical data that uh, doesn't require a lot of clicks, doesn't require a lot of time spent in front of a computer, um, but rather uses artificial intelligence and data mining from an artificial intelligence standpoint to deliver data to you as a student, to the residents and to the clinician uh, to still make the decisions that they need to for patient care. Um, so I, I think that to me is the, the core of what I really hope with the EMR. I love that it has a lot of ability, but I think that really my shift towards uh, being able to spend more time with patients is really something that I, I want the EMR to do in the future. That's a, that's a big wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of ways to optimize it right now, I, I think on a, on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, there's small things that have been implemented on the outpatient side to me that have made my life a little easier. Uh, I like the fact that I can chat with my MA or I can chat with my resident and say, hey, you know, by the way, uh, I need to get this done before I, I leave the room. Can you come in and, and maybe do the influenza vaccine before I leave? Or, hey, can you track down this particular record from this particular hospital out in this particular state? So I like that function. I like the ability to talk with other team members. That's been one of the, the positives. My, my hope would be small things that include physician wishes like that would be more highly incorporated into the, the EMR. Um, on the inpatient side, my wish there would be more of a collaborative mm-hmm. process rather than a individualized siloed process. I, I can only dream of a day where there's only one that includes uh, the perspective of the student, uh, the addenda that are incorporated from the mm-hmm. resident, and then the addenda that are incorporated from from a attending. Uh, right now we do it, but it's way more time consuming and it's less effective uh, in terms of uh, communication. So. Yeah, I think that's that's a really novel idea and one that I think would be so amazing if an EMR could incorporate that. <laughs> if you're looking for a way to make a lot of money, that might be a lot. Yeah. Of money. I think it's really, really crucial that the electronic medical record isn't the place where our physicians who are growing to become the future of our of our profession are spending the majority of their time. To me, that is that is a, a fault in our system and something that we all need to deviate away from. And so finding ways to optimize that um, in electronic medical records is is one pretty big way I think that we can all do that. Yeah, no, I, I second everything, <laughs> everything you said. Um, and I really appreciate your insight and your time chatting with me today, Dr. Patel. I'm Ken Breslow. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I uh, have a private practice part-time, and I also am the founder of Luminello, which is a EMR and practice management platform for mental health and wellness clinicians. What inspired you to create Luminello in the first place? Uh, Well, when I was in uh, residency and fellowship, and even when I um, finished training and I went into the military, there was always... Um, a way to do things. I didn't have to think very creatively. Um, There was always an admin staff and I could just focus on patient care. And I had to chart my notes somewhere and it was typically clunky and annoying, but it didn't really affect me that much. Um, When I started my own private practice, uh, then it kind of hit me <laughs> like it uh, all at once how lacking the market was for products that were actually useful for running one's own private practice in um, the mental health world. Many of us are in 
solo practice or small groups and we either don't have admin staff or it's only very part-time and we do a lot of practice management on our own and that's how I started out my practice and I realized that I was spending a ton of time on admin and not as much time as I wanted to on patient care. And so I looked around to see if there was anything that could help me with it, but um, there really weren't very many products on the market at that time. And the products that were there were uh, not particularly user-friendly. And so that's where the seeds were planted um, for Luminello. Did you have any background in the technical aspect? No. So that was the first challenge. Um, my co-founder um, did and had a lot of um, experience in product and development and design. And so we fused our um our natural interests, uh, mine in wanting to run a private practice efficiently, but also I enjoy thinking about systems. I love thinking about psychology, uh, being a psychiatrist, and I wanted to uh, imbue the uh, EMR that we were going to build with that. And uh, he is a great designer and uh, wanted to put his experience with that into the design of the EMR. I think that's something that most EMRs only considered as an afterthought, if if at all. How did you approach the process? Were you thinking about just starting from scratch or taking a system and adapting it to what you wanted to have? So I had sampled some of the systems that were out there because I actually thought I'd really not want to reinvent the wheel. I just want to use them in my practice. And unfortunately, none of them... Uh, had the blend that I was looking for of a user experience, of uh, being intuitive, of not being overwrought. That's something that mental health clinicians see a lot of is EMRs that say that they're uh, targeted for mental health clinicians, but really they're targeted for primary care and just adopted for mental health clinicians. And they're not really thinking about the workflows that we use specifically. And they're not removing the elements that actually interfere with our efficiency. And so I wanted to build a very streamlined product that was just focused on addressing the workflows that mental health clinicians face. So that way we could be not just more efficient, but also feel less fatigue and burnout at the end of the day. That's part of the problem with EMRs that don't have a focus on design. And you can kind of create your own systems. You can use Google for a lot of things and you can patch together 10 different products uh, to create your own kind of system. But there's a real cost that you pay at the end of the day in terms of switching from platform to platform, not having things all be in one place and integrated. So that's uh, where we decided, okay, we better build something from scratch that mm -hmm. gives us all of that. And you mentioned specifically thinking about the workflow in mental health care. In what ways do you find that to be unique from other fields? In mental health, we have psychotherapy notes that we can use that can cue our memory um, if we need to. Uh, I tend not to use that as much because I, I remember my therapy patients, what they've told me, because I'm seeing them regularly. But uh, outside of mental health world, I really I feel for my primary care colleagues who have to spend a lot of time clicking boxes. One of the things that I remember uh, when I was in training using the templates that came with the EMR we were using at the time, and there was like a thousand boxes to check. And it was uh, great if you were in the ICU and you know, <laughs> needed to monitor every parameter uh, known to humankind. But in mental health, we focus on certain uh, areas, and you don't want to get slowed down by having to think about in your documentation things that really have nothing to do with why the patient is in front of you at that moment. Well, another example would be in billing. Billing for mental health clinicians is pretty straightforward, and we wanted something where 
billing was just integrated right into the note writing workflow. So that way you're not burning extra time on things that you don't need to burn extra time on. Right. And then the clinician has more time to focus on the patient encounter. That's right. You know, it's really about how do we continually get you back to patient care. And a good EMR is one in which you're not really using it very much. Or you can actually just look at the patient in front of you and have a conversation. So I guess thinking more broadly, what would you say then is the purpose of medical documentation? Why do we go through this process in the first place? Oh, well, ideally it's for patient care. And I'll give you an example of one thing that I personally love about Luminello is that we can message with our patients and with one click that's inserted into the chart. And that's where a fair amount of care happens uh, in between sessions. So being able, when a patient sees me and I pull up their chart and I see all the back and forth we've had in between sessions, it's so nice to be able to have that shared memory, essentially, and not having to look in four different places for it or really not remembering where we left off. So that's ideally what it's for. Uh, the second part that it's for is... Uh, all the workflows that it leads to in terms of scheduling and billing and, and running a practice. And then, of course, the legal um, reasons. That's not the primary reason we do this. Uh, it's really for uh, good patient care and growth on our end as well. You know, being able to review charts and with colleagues and peer review and even as part of for board recertification um, process improvement. Um, those are areas where documentation are really useful. And then eventually, uh, and we're seeing more and more of this, is being able to improve clinical outcomes by taking the data that's in charts and drawing conclusions from them, or at least hypotheses, that we've never been able to do when things were uh, pen and paper. Definitely well said. How do you approach the process of clinical note writing? I try and put in... <laughs> as little as possible, but as much as is useful. <laughs> it's a, a, a tough uh, needle to thread. When I was in training, my notes would be, it would go on and on and on. And at some point I realized, I don't think anyone's ever reading that. So keep it essential, especially with the Cures Act coming up and patients getting access to their notes. Um, now I'm even more uh, tempted to write less uh, because I don't want patients to see their notes and then it increase their anxiety. They're coming to us as clinicians to address their problems and reduce their anxiety usually. So I will put in there what is useful for good clinical care and, uh, and not much else. I will say that some of the CPT coding changes that are coming up in 2021 look somewhat promising in terms of their reducing some of the uh, at least in the subjective and objective part of the notes, um, the click bot, the, the, just the endless checking boxes just for mm -hmm. the sake of being able to per use a particular billing code and the focus on medical decision-making that, which is really where we should be putting our energies and not documenting things just for the sake of a billing code. Uh, you touched upon this already a little bit, but can you elaborate on how you think we can improve the way that we write notes or maybe more generally the EMR system? Yeah, so being able to uh, have what you need <laughs> when you need it where you need it is key and not being overwhelmed at the same time. So this is the challenge is if you're not a clinician using the EMR, I'm, I'm not sure how you know how to strike that balance. And I suppose that other EMRs have clinicians giving them feedback, uh, which is good. But uh, one of the things that I really like about Luminello is that it's my, my personal dream EMR for my private practice. And I use it every day in my private practice. So I'm kind of at the... Um, at the day-to-day -day level, knowing what's working and what can be made more efficient and where we should be putting our energies. And so being able to focus in on what you need, and really this is outside of EMRs as well. Technology in general, we're getting overwhelmed with notifications and extra data and being able to filter that and even more so have that data curated for us is going to improve our experience it's really the next generation, I hope, of software development 
is not just giving people access to data, but the data they actually want without them having to think too much about how to get that data in the first place. That's some of what what we're working on at Luminella. That's such a great point. I feel like what you mentioned about having almost too much data nowadays, there's so many apps, so many wearables that are chugging out all this data. And then as physicians, there's already so much material, clinical material to parse through. And now there's this additional onslaught of information that could be useful if it's organized in a particular way. But so far in my experience, as as a medical student, I haven't come across any systems that are able to do that and plug it in in a seamless way. It's challenging. They're not, most EMRs are uh, designed as software products and we don't look at ours as just a piece of software. We're looking at at it as we want the clinician or or their teams to have a real emotional connection with it um, so that they get in there and they feel, yes, I'm home. This is where I belong. And these are my systems and they are efficient. And they they allow me to do what I love doing, which is seeing patients. And one of the, the our next steps as um, Luminello continues to grow is to to take EMRs to really the what we see is the next level, which is being able to form a community around them and having a a place where clinicians can come together to consult with each other and to grow professionally and uh, to feel like this is not just for notes. Like a social network of some sort? Yes, a professional social network. So uh, we want to be able to get people into a HIPAA-protected environment to be able to have those kinds of discussions and to be able to bring in CME or other professional growth right into the EMR. So that way I, as a clinician, don't need to go hunting for my annual CME credits. I don't need to have to go to five different platforms to look things up, that we bring it to you. We're always looking for uh, feedback and to grow. We're a a community of clinicians uh, doing this for clinicians. So I'm always looking to have more people join us on the journey. I love this vision for Luminello. It's so exciting to hear about it and also to hear about your story, how you realized that there there was a problem and there were these pain points in your clinical work and you designed such an elegant solution to it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share this with all of our listeners. Well, sure, Darlena. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You can check Luminello out at luminello.com. That's L-U-M-I-N-E-L-L-O. So these were some great interviews. I learned a lot from it. I I hope you all did too. I think it's so useful to kind of hear from these physicians who've really been in it for so long and, and who are always really looking towards changing and improving um, and have all of these great ideas. So it makes me excited for, for our futures. Going into this topic, I had this idea that ambient voice technology and the capacity to have an AI just write the entire note was kind of the holy grail. I thought that was what we would aspire to have and make our lives easier. But one thing that I kind of realized from these interviews was that there is something to be said about the whole process of sitting down and synthesizing information and that time of writing a note is actually really valuable. So maybe my views have changed a little bit on the role of technology in solving this problem. The usage of the EMR shouldn't be reinventing the wheel and and should really be about, like you said, you know, using that time to synthesize and using it to to really improve patient care um, and kind of cutting out that unnecessary redundancy. And I feel like as we continue to use all this great technology, if that's kind of, you know, maintained as as the reason for doing things, that I feel like we're, we're really going in the right direction. And I guess this is an invitation to, to our listeners to think about what they would like to see. And we do encourage submissions. So you can always email us at dwcfilesubmission at gmail.com if you have any ideas that you'd like to add. Yeah, we would love that. We're, we're always excited to, to see all the t- different types of creativity that this you know community of, of medical professionals and trainees really holds. Our next Reimagine Healthcare episode will be all about consults. So if you have ideas about how we can improve the consult system, 
please send us an email at dwcfilesubmission at gmail.com. Looking forward to chatting again soon. Until next month. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at doctorswhocreate at gmail.com. Or tweet us at doctorscreate. Or check out our website, doctorswhocreate.com, to listen to our podcast episodes and also to check out other articles and profiles of physicians who are creative. Intro music brought to you by the band Night Float.